0: powerful word of God can change lives heal broken hearts and save man's soul and here's our prayer Lord Jesus today speak to me in Jesus name amen now would you stand and when you stand turn to your neighbor and give him a real good hug come on stand up And don't get carried away. Just, to, just. To. You may be seated. Something about you needing to stretch too in there. I think that works out pretty good. Are we getting? Are we about ready for lunch? I bet the smell will start to slide this way here for too long. Today's a celebration day. If you're a Christian, today's your day. Amen. I mean, if there's any other day that we get, there's 52 weeks in most years. Some are longer and shorter than others, but there's. I'm only going to allow the world to claim 51 of those. Christians, we get this one. This is our weekend. Always has been, always will be. And uh, I just pray that we will never ever lose sight of why we have a special weekend called Easter. It's not about bunny rabbits. Sorry. It's not about Easter eggs. Sorry. It's it's all about, it's not about peeps either. No, I finally heard that. Third round. It's not about yellow peeps, pink peeps, or whatever kind of peeps you want. It's all about a Savior who died on a cross, buried in a tomb, and rose on the third day. That's what Easter's about. It's what it'll always be about. So why is it that we think... This is an important weekend. Why is it that we think this is a weekend to celebrate? Well, Americans differ on their opinion about this. Two-thirds of Americans, 64%, say the biblical accounts of the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus are entirely accurate. A quarter of the people of America, 23%, disagree. 13 percent, this is the one that really baffles me, 13 percent, they're just not really sure whether it was a bodily erection, whether a resurrection actually happened or not. Almost all of those with evangelical beliefs, 98 percent agree, as do more than half the Americans who don't hold evangelical beliefs, which is 56 percent. 56% of America is not sure that Jesus rose bodily from the grave. We have messed up, church. If the world around us, 56% of them can believe or not believe that He rose from the grave. Wow! Where would we go wrong? How did we mess that up? I mean, some believe it was metaphorical. Some believe it was just a spiritual appearance. It wasn't really in bodily form. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a verse I have in your outline. If you have your Bibles, turn to that verse. Those verses there in 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> verses 12 through 19. Because these verses put us the thrust of the message for the resurrection in John. We're going to be in John 20, it's where I'm going to be. But this kind of sets the stage. I mean, 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can we say of you? How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain. And and, and so is your faith, by the way. Verse 15. Moreover, we who are found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified wrongly about God, that He raised up Christ... Whom He did not raise up, if in fact the dead are not raised. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. Verse 18. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. And if we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more. Than anyone else. You see, there is a lot riding on our faith. On whether this resurrection body of Jesus actually took place. If He did not come from the tomb. If He did not walk away. And walk out of there. Why are you and I here? Why do you and I worship and serve a God Who's not alive anymore. You see our Savior is the only Savior. That can claim a bodily resurrection. Do you know that? Muhammad is in the ground. Rotted away. Now that would cause some Muslim people. To be very angry at what I just said. But the last time I looked, in America, I can still have a freedom of speech. Unless we don't wake up. Who would have ever thought that 56% of America is not sure whether Jesus rose from the grave? Our text in John 20 we're going to start at verse 11, so go ahead and flip your Bible over to John, back to John 20. We're going to look at two people. A group of people, disciples, and Mary, who would encounter this resurrected Jesus. Because once you have encountered Jesus, the resurrected Lord, your life should never, ever be the same. Now, how many of you can safely, assuredly claim that you have met and, and named uh, the, the man that's called the resurrected Jesus? How many of you would say, I know who he is. Let me see your hands. Anybody? Nobody? Not everybody? Some people, come on. Every hand should be up. <laughs> All right. Let's start at verse 11 of John chapter 20. Some great things here. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. <clears throat> As she was crying, she stopped and she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in White, sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Fourteen. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Verse fifteen. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying, and who is it that you're seeking? Supposing... He was the gardener," she said. "Sir, if you've carried him away, tell him where you've put it. Tell me where you've put him, and I will go and take him away." Jesus said to her. Mary, turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means "Teacher." Verse 17, don't cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And he told them, and she told them what he had told her. Now there's three things I want you to take away from these appearances. Number one. He appeared in flesh and bone, and he appeared to Mary in verses 11 through 18. Mary's gone back to the tomb. She's there on Sunday morning. Embalming had not been invented yet. So once a person died, the women would take heavy aromad uh, perfumes and alloys and would take them and would anoint the body and would put them around the bodies, so that as they decayed, it, the stench of decay didn't overwhelm people who would come to pay respects as the per person lay there in the tomb. Uh, and she was part of two groups of women who were going to work on the dead body for that morning, uh, Easter, or Sunday morning. They didn't call it Easter then, it was Sunday morning. Uh, Mary gets to the tomb first. Sees that the stone has been rolled away. And she. Uh, runs to Peter. And the other disciples to tell them uh, Not that he had risen. That isn't what she. Really came to tell them. She came to say. That somebody done stole our Savior's body. Done stole him. What's that all about? Look in verse 2. Uh, of chapter 20. Uh, so. We've got a follower of Jesus, along with other followers of Jesus, who didn't come to the tomb expecting a resurrection. They came just simply to do a funeral intervention. A funeral service. And when Peter and John heard the news from Mary, they ran to the tomb. They did not say, wow, he is risen, isn't he? Why is it so important to understand that these two ran to the tomb, but didn't go with the intention that when they didn't find him, they didn't instantly believe that it was because he had risen from the dead? It's kind of an interesting twist to the story, if you ask me. Well, we're kind of told why in verses 8 through 10. Go back up to verse 8 the other disciple who had reached the tomb first then also went in saw and believed 9 for they did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying verse, verse 9 uh is a very telling verse it points to the fact that this stage neither at this stage neither peter nor john Nor anyone else understood that the empty tomb pointed to a resurrected Jesus. They played through every possible scenario besides the one Jesus told them. How many of you understand what I just said? They played through every scenario other than what Jesus told them. Jesus tells you and me. Things all the time in the word amen, and we close the word and we go he didn't really mean that <laughs> he no he didn't mean that by your stripes, you are healed no he didn't really mean that oh The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, he didn't really mean that. He that confesses with his mouth, his heart, his life, and be baptized will be saved. Oh. Well, he didn't really mean that. See, why do we take some things that he said and some things that he said we don't really listen to? Well, we're, we're not too much different. We're not too much different than the apostles of early time and Mary during this time. No one but Jesus knew That he would die, be buried, and rise again. Nobody knew that except the prophets of old who were prophesying of it hundreds of years before it happened. And these Jewish men and women had been hearing the story over and over and over and over. Only to just have a deaf ear. It's not happening. Wow. So John saw the empty tomb, the condition of the tomb, and believed. But it wasn't until later that they fully understood what had happened. But let me get back to Mary. Verse 13. She goes back to the tomb, sees these angels. They ask her in 13, Why are you crying, woman? Because they've taken away my Lord, she says. I don't know where they put him. See, she still thinks that somebody stole the body. Then there's this person who's sitting there speaking to, them, to her. Verse 15, Woman, Jesus says, Why are you crying? Who are you seeking? She didn't even realize she was talking to Jesus himself. That's an interesting thing. When is the last time Jesus came talking to you and you didn't recognize him? Well, preacher, I'd just soon not discuss that with you. Okay. <laughs> My point is, is that you know a gentle nod will work too. Because there's times when he is screaming at us and we're not hearing a thing. You've got the Word of God open and you're reading, and those verses—it it, just—it's just as though God had walked in your shoes the day before, every step of the day, every moment of the day, and you're reading it and you're seeing it and you're—it's impacting you and you're going. I don't hear a thing. I haven't heard from God in a long, long time. Sometimes we miss what's right in front of us. Verse 17 is kind of an interesting introduction here when he says, don't cling to me, Jesus tells her. I've come not yet, I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go get my brothers and tell them that I'm ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Jesus just told her, Let go. Don't cling. The word cling here means to grasp firmly. Kind of like when somebody uh, brings a a, a, a Casey's barbecue rib in front of me. I tend to want to grab that thing and hang on to it. Of course, the bad part is that the meat comes right on off that bone. But man, you can hang on that bone and suck that stuff dry out of that bone. Amen. Amen. And I've, oh, I've I've done found a believer, God bless. <laughs> but Mary leaves the tomb with a new mission. Verse 18. I've seen the Lord. Can you imagine being the first one to come back to the group and say I saw him? I've seen the Lord. Isn't that exciting to think that she was the very first one to see the Lord? Is this the same Mary that anointed him with expensive perfume before his death and crucifixion? Isn't it interesting? Now, I don't know Why? Jesus didn't want the head preachers of the day to show up at the tomb so he could impress everybody with his appearance. Why does he want this old woman to show up? You see, without you women, let me let me just brag on you a minute. Without you women, I don't know churches would even exist today. We don't have a lot of male leadership at church. Now I've been told it's because we don't. Cater to the men. We cater more to the women. Well, I don't think Jesus was a sissy. <laughs> you take, you look at the beating that he took, and you show me a man that could endure that today. Mm. I don't know who that'd be. I don't know who that'd be. I'd put my money on Bryant, but I'm not. I'm not sure about Brad, but Bryant, I could. I, Brad's a quarterback, you know, pretty boys. You don't mess it. I wish he was here. He needed to hear that today. <laughs> Let's jump down and keep going there, 19 through 23. When it was evening on that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because they feared the Jews. Again, went, to see, went out to the tomb. To tend to a dead body that's not there anymore. They didn't first respond by saying, ah, He's risen just like He said. They went, okay, who stole Him? Remember when you were growing up and you'd come in and your mother would, first thing your mother would say was not, ah, Boy, it's so good to see you. What, what did she say? What have you been up to? Where have you been? And who have you been with? Because those went hand in hand. See, she knew what you'd been up to if you could tell her and would tell her who you'd been with. And usually the answer is, nothing. Nobody. Okay. How'd you get that slit down your arm? It's been bleeding. I don't have a slit down my arm. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing, isn't it? It's kind of the way they are. So they're feared of they have a fear of the Jews, so they're behind locked doors, Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Verse twenty. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And so the disciples rejoiced. And when they saw the Lord, verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And as the Savior has sent me, I am also send you. After saying this, He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Jesus now is among them. They're beginning to... Capture His presence. Flesh and bone He appears to Mary. In these passages, He appears to the disciples. Now, it's Sunday evening. Earlier in the day, Mary and the two groups of women, along with Peter and John, saw an empty tomb. Mary, after encountering Jesus, delivers a message to the disciples. Verses 17 to 18. What did we find the disciples doing? They're gathering together behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jews. Jesus appears. John makes everything look calm and peaceful when Jesus appears. Luke writes a parallel account. tells, Tells us that a couple of other people on the road to Emmaus encountered Jesus as well. And while they were with the eleven, minus Thomas, Jesus appears. I, I love the way Luke put it. In Luke 24, 38 and 39, it says, Why are you troubled? He asked them, Why do you doubt or why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. That is I, I myself. Touch me and see because a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you can see I have. So just when you doubt Jesus, He will come into your presence, or He will send someone into your presence who will have the representation of Jesus. Now that can be in the form of a an actual visit by a person. That may be somebody coming by just to bring a drink to you, somebody to bring some food to you, somebody just to bring a hug to you, Somebody to bring a prayer to you. It can be several different ways that God can manifest Himself to you, but He will come to you. If you open, if you receive, and if you're ready. He'll come. He'll let you know, here I am. What you going to do now? I'm here. I love this. Then verse 41 Jesus asked for something to eat. He said, ghosts don't eat. <laughs> I'm hungry. I asked Bryant not too many weeks ago, I said, man, little Patrick seems to be at home a lot. He goes, well, that's all he had to say. I remember, boy gets hungry at college. You can only eat the same old cafeteria food so long. you got to come home and eat mom's cooking. Normally along with that comes loads and loads of laundry as well, but that's, that's secondary. Gotta have moms cook. Nothing better than Easter cooking today, boy. Listen, we're gonna stay here and eat. We got plenty. Some, most of you heading off to go to family. Got you. Man, listen, nothing better than family gatherings, church gatherings for food. Amen. It's the best time. Just throw all the calories out the window, throw all the diabetes stuff out the window, up your insulin level, dive in, brother, dive in. I rode by between Sunday school and church and saw a cake that I thought if I just had a fork, that cake would no longer exist. Wow. I know all of y'all are going to walk around with sticks about on, on my back of my hand. That's all right. So Jesus stood there among them, flesh and blood. Now back to John 20. Because I want us to take a look at the third group of flesh and bone that he, the third person that he appeared to, flesh and bone. He appears to Thomas. Let's pick it up in John 20 and verse 24. But Thomas called twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came before so the other disciples were telling him, we've seen the Lord. But he says to them, if you don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, put my, put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side. I, I, until I can do that, I'm not going to believe. That's what Thomas is saying. A week later, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, so one week later, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he says to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hand. Now how did he know that Thomas needed to do that? Huh. Well, he is the Lord, by the way. I just thought I'd mention that. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Don't be faithless. But believe. Thomas responded to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Wow. Thomas, a little doubtful. He's. He's drawn the nickname Doubting Thomas over the years, right? Not sure he knew what he was really upset about, but here we go. Not going to trust these other 11 guys that I've done battle with out here, seen amazing things with these guys. i got to see it for myself. got to put, put my hand in there myself. got to touch that hole in there with my finger myself. Okay, well, all right. As soon as I see it, then I, boy, I'll know. Well, we're a lot like that. Sometimes it's a week away before we actually get it. Think about this week in Jesus' life. One week before He resurrected from the grave, they were all shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! Hosanna to the highest! Yeah, just they couldn't praise Him enough. Couldn't say His name loud enough. One week later, they were hiding in a room, locked away. Hmm. What about you and me? What about you and me? Look at verse 26. A week later, the disciples were indoors and Thomas was with them. Doubts arise. But Jesus says to Thomas, After he's seen him, after he's touched him, after he says, I believe, then Jesus says, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's you. That's you. You are ready to die today if Jesus calls your name. How about that hand? Yeah? Yeah? All right. John discloses to his readers the whole purpose of sharing this story in verse 31. It's that we may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, We may have life in His name. You believe it, you're ready to move on it, and so you do. When I saw Cindy, goodness, 40 plus years ago, what a cutie pie! It didn't take me long to figure that out. It took me a lot longer to convince her that I was worthwhile. I'm not sure that she's convinced yet. I paused long enough hoping somebody would fill that gap. I saw where he was going. But isn't it amazing that as... Unlovely as sometimes we can become, that there's always somebody that's going to love you. Can you take that right over into your life and your walk with God? No matter how unworthy you become, no matter how great the sin might accumulate or be part of your life, you got a Savior who loves you. You got a Savior who died for you. You got a Savior who cares for you. And you got a Savior who's never ever going to leave you. Man, oh man, oh man. New Testament scholar N. T. Wright says this some people would say, well, you just have to have faith and either either you got it or you don't. And in a sense, that's right. And we must be aware of making Thomas's mistake, thinking that we only believe if we are given solid evidence. But there is something else going on here as well. Because the resurrection is one of those uncomfortable things that comes out of the realm of faith and insists... On being treated as part of the realm of history. You see, you got to have faith that He rose from the grave. you got to have faith and exercise faith in believing that it was in bodily form. Because you didn't have any proof of it. You can't go down and see it. But how many people have given their lives because of it? Think about that in your own existence. How about your grandmother? How about your grandmother who's prayed for you and prays for you and maybe still prays for you that you'll find the Lord, that you'll come to a knowledge of Jesus, and you'll receive Him as your Savior? You don't think your grandma believes? Your mama believes? How about those dads that are leading you in the way of the Lord? How about all of them? Are they just doing it because somebody else forced them to do it? Uh Uh-uh. There's got to be something driving their faith that makes them do that. So today's the day for you. What about you? Are you at a point in your life where you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Are you at a point in your life where you're ready to let Jesus become the Master and the Savior of your soul, your life? Is He ready today to become your resurrected Savior? I hope so. We've got a song of invitation we're going to sing. And if God is tugging on your heart to respond, would you today? Would you today? Would ask you to stand with me and let's sing this great hymn of invitation. Without him, I can do nothing. If you got a response, would you this morning uh, as we sing together?